0: I've no come,
1: okay. Um, as in, like,
0: not. Like, just, you know. Hey, why? We're all professionals here. Oh, right? no, no, no. <laughs> what would you do if you found out your partner was HIV positive? This is your daily catch up. <laughs> this episode is made possible with the support of the National HIV Program under the National Centre for Infectious Diseases, also known as NCID. Global and local studies have showed that many of us actually don't know our HIV status and actually all of us here are guilty of it except John and I assume Dr. Wong. (laughs) And we don't even feel a need to get tested. Mm. But the fact is that some of us are actually at higher risk of HIV infection and it's very important to detect early because it is key to successful treatment and to prevent unconscious spreading. Yeah. So today we have Dr. Wong back with us. One some of our favourite guests, our OG guests of TDK. Yeah. Yeah, back when we were all set. Yeah. Uh, so some of you might recognise him. He was previously with us to explain more about HIV in general. And today he's back to be answering some of the comments that you've left in that video. As well as talking about like testing procedures in HIV and giving us more insight into that.
2: Mm. Yep. Also all of us went for... Uh, HIV test, but more, more about that later.
0: Yes. So, One for moment. those of you who don't already know, Dr. Wong is the Deputy Director of the I National see, HIV see. Program at NCID. Wow. Big shot. And he has actually altered many of the local studies with, which I've mentioned earlier. H-
3: yeah. Authored. Authored. I, thought, yeah. I heard altered. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh. wow, you can do <laughs> that shit.
0: <laughs> <We're> <laughs> we are breaking
3: about it. that. <laughs> <laughs> authored. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. So... Uh, to recap, right, in our previous episode, we actually talked a bit about HIV transmission, the impact of being tested positive, address some of the misconceptions mm. and learn more about treatment options. So you can catch it linked down in the description below. Okay, the first comment is by Evan Chu. Let's go. So he says, I'm going to dispute what John Paul says about PLHIVs HIVs or people living with HIV. Mm. So um, he basically says that he disagrees that it is down to HIVs to be open and to be sharing their status and starting conversations in de-stigmatizing HIV because like the fact that they are afraid of that, right, shows that there is still some form of repercussion. There's still some form of stigma against it. So, but I mean, like when I think about it personally, in my own friends circles, right, I'm not just going to randomly bring up, hey guys, you all know we shouldn't like stigmatize <laughs> HIV. You know I mean? it's like, unless someone gets tested yeah. positive, touch wood, right, mm-hmm. or... Or oh, yeah, there's just a like case that blows up in the media, for example.
4: Yeah, so I think Evan Chu's comment really gets to the heart of things, la, right? Oftentimes, we say, um, you know, we, we think that people living with HIV, because they are the ones who have got that experience, then it's on their shoulders to mm. uh, talk about it, to educate mm. other people about it. But I think the burden or the responsibility if we take a more positive slant on things really falls on everybody, right? Uh, to educate ourselves about HIV and to not expect people who are already experiencing, like you pointed out, a significant amount of stigma and discrimination in their everyday lives to then also take on the additional burden of educating the people around them. Mm. Um, right. There's similarities, I think with with other conditions and other chronic conditions like cancer, for example, you know, we, we say that oftentimes it's people who have lived through those experiences that have mm. the most ability to share their, their um what they've gone through and mm. uh, to educate other people but unlike cancer i suppose hiv comes with it a certain stigma lah, yeah. right mm. and it can be challenging uh, but-, but i also take your point right that we can't just sit down hey you know let's talk about hiv today yeah. um <laughs> you know to that i say why not you know we can some we can do that right if if we if we think that it's important enough we can perhaps spend some time doing that I think it also boils down to the fact that not all of us maybe know people who who are living with HIV yeah. and it's a chicken and egg thing we we maybe don't know because nobody's talking about it So I think a middle ground perhaps is exactly by having conversations like this where we are talking about it on behalf of people who are going who are who are experiencing um, the challenges that HIV brings right. but also on behalf of people who may never encounter counter this in their everyday lives and by putting these conversations out there I think hopefully people will find out a little bit more mm-hmm.
0: so in starting these conversations so it's on us
4: la, basically so yeah. saying <laughs> it's on the but daily is there up.
0: stuff that I should avoid saying for example if I want to bring this topic up whether it's offensive mm. to them or it might accidentally hurt their feelings about like when I say certain things you know what I mean
4: mm. so I think w- one of the most important things is to understand that there are um, as times have changed, our vocabulary around HIV has changed, mm. right? Even in a clinical setting and in you know in the hospital setting, we we tend not to talk about people as uh, you know HIV patients, even because mm. that boil that. Uh, minimizes or it boils down their entire experience and existence into just that one aspect right they are more than just their HIV so we talk about people living with HIV as a aspect of their experiences and of their lives so but do you not do that for cancer
2: patients for example do we call them people living with cancer
4: we don't necessarily, but then mm. remember what I said, cancer and HIV are quite different. Rarely do you have a condition where there are so many social aspects oh, to it. Oh,
0: example, mm. living with autism.
4: Hey, what's what to your voice? <laughs> Welcome sorry. to puberty. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, My
0: voice box the <laughs> Like, we yeah. cannot say autistic now.
4: Yeah. So ex- and this, these are things that may have been acceptable 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But I think as we have... Ch- learned more and as we have come to understand that, uh, especially the, the particular challenges that people living with HIV face, sometimes the words that we use are are fairly powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also um, an important thing is to, when we talk about it, unless we have people's expressive permission to not talk about things that would be easily identify who they are, right? Oh. Yeah. Uh, and this includes saying, oh, you know, um, we know a, a mutual friend of ours who is XYZ <laughs> years old yeah. um, may have some experience. You know, things that may
0: inadvertently expose
4: <laughs> or, or identify people should be avoided as much as yeah. possible. It's funny though, but we do it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Stop right there. Just like we are stopping the spread of HIV. Okay, like, share and subscribe. Back to the episode.
2: Do Do you feel like it's a cycle? Like, at some point, I mean, those those kind of media depiction worked for us growing up in mm. a sense whereby it really drills down that we need to be careful on like with who we, we sleep with, right? Um, but now, now we flip, right? Mm. Now we show um, people living HIV as normal, healthy people. They just have it, lah, right? And at some point, it will become so liberalized again to have it It might even be cool to have it. We we don't know what... I mean, we we look at how the world has evolved, right? It's hard to say. Um, Like at some point, drug addiction was cool. At some point, smoking a cigarette was cool, right? And then we had to keep flipping and flipping that narrative, right? Um, Then do you feel like at some point, this will then flip back? That we'll then need to talk about the dangers of having HIV again? Similarly to how we continue to make new words. For Mm. things that we cannot say anymore. Mm. Yeah, which was totally acceptable just a year before. Mm. Yeah.
4: I think it's important to draw a distinction between um, speaking about HIV in a way that is non judgmental and Mm. non stigmatizing uh, and also conveying the correct, I suppose, or the appropriate health message out Mm. there. Mm. Um, To flip the question back. To you, which is that, you know, will it ever be cool? I think we have to be very clear in our heads that uh, HIV infection, I mean, amongst all of the people that I know, the patients that I care for, um, I don't think any of them would say that this is something that they would knowingly or willingly Mm. choose, right? Mm. And we have to be very clear that even HIV that is detected early and treated early, uh, it is still a chronic lifelong condition, right? Albeit, it is something that we have a lot of um, uh, ways to make uh, you know people's health really quite good for the entirety of their of yep. their life expectancies, and mm-hmm. and that is uh, due to you know the advances in science and medicine that we have. Uh, but it is still a process of needing to be on treatment and medication, requiring uh, lifelong sort of follow ups with, with, with a doctor, and uh, does require adjustments made to one's life, lah. Right, mm-hmm. not least of all, taking medications daily, you know, and lifelong. So I think the message here is not that we are, uh, definitely not that we are encouraging uh, people to uh, uh, have high-risk behavior. That's really the opposite of what we are getting at here. Uh, But really that um, there are a a, a sizable community of people who are living with this chronic condition and how can we make life better for them, Mm -hmm. right? Because this is, once again, the duty of healthcare professionals, yes, but also the rest of community, right? Of, of making sure that uh, these uh, people living with HIV already have certain odds that are stacked against them. And as their fellow men, we should be really trying to make life better for them rather than more difficult. I think that's the angle that we should come at. In,
3: in your experience with working with people living with HIV, like even in the last year or last two years, given that there has been a rollout of Better messaging mm. has their lives. Have they have they shared um, an improvement in any way in a social setting so far?
4: I think the uh, fight against HIV-related stigma and discrimination is still one of the major challenges that we face. Um, We would like to think that there are improvements, right? Uh, Definitely around messaging, definitely around uh, access to healthcare and definitely around the environment that within healthcare institutions we provide for them. Uh, Unfortunately, there are still, you know, incidents where people face challenges at home, where people face challenges at work, where people face challenges in their everyday lives. Uh, Most of the time it is due to uh, just a lack of information, a lack of knowledge, and mm-hmm. hence people say things or do things that are inappropriate. And that is where I think uh, conversations like ours are so important and the work that is done by, you know, um, by, by, by the media, that is done by, of course, by professionals uh, to try and improve situations mm. uh, and circumstances for people. So
5: yeah. if they have HIV, is it required for them to like mention it to their boss like at work?
4: So, that's an excellent question and a question that, yes, you know, my matters. patients are always asking me as well. <laughs> um, unless uh, the person living with HIV is working in a profession mm-hmm. where there is potentially a risk that they might transmit the virus onto others okay. in the workplace, uh, then there is no requirement for them to inform. Their so, what audience. are some examples? Uh, so, a... Uh, as you can imagine, most of them would be in the healthcare setting, mm. la, right? And But not all healthcare professionals, right? Only uh, healthcare professionals who are in certain jobs where they are more what we call exposure prone, where, where there's a higher possibility or risk that they might sustain an injury where they might uh, you oh. know, have some contact or exchange of infected body fluid from, mm. them. you know, from the infected person to an uninfected person. Mm.
5: Like. Or oh, what if you're like working in the fast food industry, mm. for example, then your saliva, like, as in like if you're HIV positive, mm-hmm. then your saliva accidentally poke on the food.
0: <gasps> oh, eh, <hey>, okay, who <gasps> want to
5: go? Then watch. Then
4: oh. watch, never watch catch up?
5: Oopsie, <laughs> I haven't joined, <laughs> I haven't joined.
4: Okay, so first and foremost, most F&B uh, staff should be wearing a mask oh. when the prepar- uh, preparation of food. But secondly, um, <laughs> uh, there is no HIV in saliva. So oh. in order for HIV to be transmitted from an HIV positive person to an HIV negative person, uh, it must be through the exposure to a, bod- a body fluid that has virus inside, oh. right? When this includes blood, as well as what we can call, you know, blanket term, sexual fluids, lah, right? Semen, Semen uh, vaginal secretions, oh. and so on. Yeah. It is not present in saliva, mm. right? Unless the saliva is what we call visibly blood stained. That means, you, right. you know, when you, when you spit, oh. right? There's mm. blood in it. Oh. And it's not the saliva, it is the blood. Right. It okay
0: important question so dan and i actually took the hiv self there so for those of you who don't know right it's actually the packaging is very, very similar to the art so yeah. then after yeah. that there's like a bottle of liquid inside and then like a a swab la, that does not look like the uh, art swap but basically what you do is like you go around like your gums here and then your gums here and <laughs> you let it stand in the fluid for 20 minutes so and then it's the same it's the c for and for 20 t. minutes yeah and uh-huh. then it's the c and t so double line right, right. means positive then single line is negative yep. and You cannot read the thing after 40 minutes. So you can only read the thing between 20 to 40 minutes. After 40 minutes, your test result expires. Right, right, right. Yeah, but interesting. So now that the doctor has mentioned that the virus is not in saliva, right? Then how come I'm testing using my saliva? Yeah. So that's. Okay, you guess.
2: Are you making micro cuts on
4: your gum?
0: Uh-huh. So I'm injuring myself through this test.
4: No, 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 no. Let me Let me, <laughs> let me uh, nip that in the butt. So the answer is no, you are not micro you're not causing micro injuries on your gums. Um, the reason for that is that that rapid test that we are doing is not looking for HIV virus. <gasps> we are looking for HIV antibody. Oh
0: explain so much It's unlike John.
5: <laughs> yeah, so oh, damn.
4: Uh, so the antibody is something that our body produces. Uh, in order to try to fight off infection, right so if a person has been exposed to the HIV virus right because they got infected either through contact with infected body fluids or unprotected sex and so on with somebody who has HIV uh, your body's immune system recognizes that this virus is in your body and it's not supposed to be there and so what it does is that it produces antibodies to try to fight off the the uh, the infection mm. and what we are doing with the the rapid test that you did with the oral fluid test is to look for the antibodies inside the saliva. Yep. Right. There's no virus there, but there oh. is an antibody there. Oh. And right. the antibody will tell us this is someone or, you know, who has been exposed to the HIV virus before, you know, pro- uh, therefore telling us that they are infected or not. Nah.
0: But I will have no symptom of illness until it becomes AIDS?
4: Most of the time, yes.
0: Interesting. Yes.
4: So detect early? Detect early. And most people will have no symptoms and no outward signs that they are infected. And hence, you can't just use your, you know, what you see on the surface to tell you whether, you know, what the risk is. Yeah.
2: Why the gum though?
3: Instead of like the why, why, why don't I for the, example spin like it? it. Like why
4: the can I spin it? Like- so this is just one type of test, right? Yeah. And oh. and you know for those of you who don't know, uh, the reason why we have this home self test kit is because the National HIV Program, uh, we started off a pilot program, uh, of uh, HIV self testing where you can actually buy these tests for your own use, uh, available at the the, the DSC Clinic and and Action for AIDS anonymous test site. So um we decided to use this particular test kit which is right. approved uh, locally for use but <laughs> actually fine. if you if you look online or you look in other places there are many different types of right. saliva uh-huh. tests there are some where you sort of like spit, into oh, really? you spit. Uh, there are some where you um, uh, I mean most of them will require you to sort of do a swap like because it's yeah. easier than spitting like, mm. essentially
0: yeah so, inside the test kit, right, there was yeah. this tiny, like, plastic, like, almost container thing. Then after I took it, I asked Dan, what is it? He told me it's to spit saliva. Uh. Then after we opened up the instruction paper, yeah. it's for <laughs> you put that so your tube can stand. Yeah. It was
3: upside down. <laughs> it just stand. It's just stand. No, because I've, like, I've heard before of, like, HIV tests where you spit. So, I was, like, I was so convinced. But it wasn't. Uh, uh, were was you scared, wrong. though, when
5: you took the test?
3: A, a little bit. But I was just happy. I, I would be, have been more scared if I had to prick myself. Because mm. I'm scared of needles. Uh
5: which I had to do. <laughs> Thanks, so Alison. Brave. So brave. John Paul so is not brave. here. <laughs> so brave. <laughs> no, so I, I went to the clinic to do the anonymous like mm. test. Yeah. So what they did, right, is they pricked my finger yep. and then they like took out some blood and then put it on the test. Similar to the ART one. Wait, so, so it's not the, this one la, no. like they drop. No. Oh. So oh. It was just oh. it's like the blood pricked sugar pricked. kind. Yeah, it like felt like a stapler bullet a bit. Mm. And then he extracted some blood and then put it on the test. La. And then it's the same like control line. Right, thing. right. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. But
2: the, the stick is a bit like a... Because I went with her. Mm. It's, it's a bit like a... Like, you know, lollipop. You pee on that. Oh. <laughs> wow, we really <laughs> went different directions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, let's go with lollipop. I pee on the
5: stick <laughs> yeah.
2: You know you have to check out you have to pee on that stick. <laughs>
3: I've never had to, nah, okay. I'm so sorry. I want to yeah, be, it, it, it looks like, like that. Then Man,
5: to it's, me, it's no, like the lollipop, like after you eat, then just the stick, <laughs> then they stick the yeah. right. Let's no, okay, go with okay. lollipop. <laughs> la. yeah. No, but I was quite surprised by the, cause it's anonymous, right? I mean, although y'all know it's me, but the <laughs> paper, right, <laughs> that they fill up for, they ask you to fill out, right? They really make it totally anonymous. Like you only need to put like, maybe your gender or like your sexual orientation. Yeah. But then there's like yeah. a box, like non-disclosed oh, also. It's so, okay.
2: um, that that piece of paper is so
5: it's like inclusive. Yeah, inclusive. Yeah,
2: they put heterosexual, binary, non-binary. Oh,
5: yeah. like right. not not
2: even male, female. Eh, it's just yeah. heterosexual yeah, yeah. or something.
5: Like. Then the clinic don't even call me by my name. They just oy, like they said, one eight two five two six. No, they just say okay, Miss, please sit here. Okay, All Miss, we right. go eat. Yeah, it was so cool. It was oh, so cool. Yeah.
2: Okay. Then the doctor hands up, but then I was
5: saying, "This <laughs> my case." This my case. No, ah, right. that's <laughs> hey, not what she's. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this my case. But the doctor told me something quite interesting. He said like the test, right? if you let's say suspect you have right no, you can't take the test like immediately after that yeah after what? the encounter like he say normally safe it's period. Like it's like, period or yeah, like. like maybe three weeks later or yes. three months later
4: so what the doctor is referring to is the window period for the uh. test la. so all tests that we have have a certain window period which means that if you suspect that you were infected Right, there will be a period of time from that point of uh, infection that the test will not be very accurate. That means mm-hmm. even if you truly were infected, it won't be able to tell you. So oh, that's right. what we call. Is
0: this test directly testing for the virus, or is it also testing for antibodies?
4: Ah, so that's uh, So the finger prick test or the blood test that we draw uh, will usually test for two different things. It will oh. also look for the antibody, oh. but it may uh, Some most of the tests that we use now will also check for um parts of the virus a portion of the virus so um, those that will check for a portion of the virus usually have what we call a shorter window period which Mm. means that if you let's say had a high risk exposure yesterday right uh, the test that detect a portion of the virus itself may quite accurately tell you whether you are or are not infected after about three to four weeks Right. Mm. right but if you were using a test that was only looking at sal- uh, saliva or the right. antibodies, antibodies, that window period may be longer. So we'll mm. say that window period may last as long as 6 to 12 weeks.
3: Because right. the so antibodies one, haven't developed yet. Yes, because oh. oh. right. we are detecting
4: something that the body is producing right. and it takes a certain amount of time for the body to produce enough antibodies right, that your tests can look for it accurately.
2: Right. So y'all
4: might like, actually have it. La.
5: Is what he's saying. No, but I don't have any high-risk exposures <laughs> within the last six to 12 uh, weeks. I mean, <laughs> but the doctor also told me there's this thing called like the PEP pill. <laughs> so he, when he explained, right, it's not something like a plan B. So like, let's say you have an encounter that you think you might have HIV, right? You must like go to the doctor and take this pill within 72 hours and then oh. it will kind of like prevent you from having HIV infection. Oh. Yeah, actually, PEP and <laughs> isn't that so pep? great, guys? Yeah. What the heck? Oh, I was, I pep.
0: PEP and prep. There's two. Prep. So quite a few people in the comments also ask about. Right, that. right, right.
4: Okay, so I guess we can talk about. it So what um, the doctor was telling you about PEP stands mm. for post-exposure prophylaxis. Oh. Post means after. It's so eloquent now.
3: Prop- uh,
0: like. Exposure.
4: Yeah. Like we are talking about
0: sex
2: here. You know what I am saying. <laughs> no. like, it's, it's so eloquent now. Post exposure. Yeah. Can
0: I also yeah. say
3: like the the drug makers and the doctors are so important, but the branding person. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, That comes up with the like, feels.
2: <laughs> the the people had to ask her when's the last time you had sex, right? Yeah. And then so they say like, um, when was the last time you had exposure or were you exposed? <laughs> yeah. Like they want to ask, are you a virgin? Like
4: were you exposed? Yeah. <laughs> what? Are you an exposed individual? It's
0: like when the doctor tried to ask, is there any chance you could be pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyway. That's you back, were saying, back, Doctor. Back, yeah, yes. Yeah. So back to post um Wow. Essentially, if you have been exposed, um, there is a that we have a window or we have a, 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 a period lah of 72 hours, 72 hours after the point of exposure where if you start taking medications, mm. we can actually prevent uh, the infection from actually taking hold or taking actually taking oh. place. Right. Uh, the medications that we use are actually. HIV meds they are the exact same drugs the exact same medications that we will give to someone who actually has HIV infection and they work in exactly the same way they stop the virus from creating more copies of itself so if you detect it
2: and you can treat it early enough Mm. within 72 hours then there's a good chance of curing it it's just after
4: 72 hours it's we don't think about it as a cure. We think about it as blocking the infection from even taking hold in the first oh. place. Mm, right.
5: So yes. what's the success rate like? If you take the pill, like hmm. is it hundred percent?
3: Asking for a friend. <laughs>
2: Where got hundred percent? I think hundred percent. And this is, is asking a
5: like really specific. Yeah. Yeah. Today. <laughs> only
2: least, only mouthwash is hundred percent. So
3: the <laughs>
4: Now even mouthfuls, they will say ninety nine point nine nine percent kill of germs, but they will say hundred
2: percent of your mouth. Yeah. I, I'm so rate. used to the ninety nine point nine, right? <laughs> and then when I saw on my Listerine bottle is a like, hundred, like ah, the audacity. <laughs> then I read, it covers hundred percent of your mouth.
4: <laughs> of course, la, Heck. Okay. Yeah. So with post sexual prophylaxis, uh, the success rate. Is very very high, oh. right? PP is very, very high. And we're talking about more than 90%. Oh, like. yeah. We're really talking about more than 90% protection. It's very difficult for us to be to give a very confident number mm-hmm. because we it's not ethical for us to design mm. clinical studies that um that give you a success rate, right? Because we cannot say, we cannot have a study where we compare, okay, we give you PEP and we don't give you PEP and we see what's the difference (laughs) in HIV rate, right? It's not ethical. And so, what we have done is that we have had to use a lot of um, historical experience, right? Because obviously, PEP didn't exist about 30 years ago. Right. uh, But, it is in existence now, and we give everyone. So when we compare, okay, thirty years ago, what was the HIV rate amongst people who were exposed versus right. nowadays, we can come up with this rough estimate mm. that it's more than ninety percent protection. Okay,
1: right.
2: and and so if I if I feel like I had high risk exposure mm-hmm. yesterday, and I go to a doctor and I get these PEP pills, right? How mm. long do I take it for?
4: So you take it for twenty eight days, uh, right. except, uh, uh, four Every weeks. Day. Every day for four weeks. As opposed to your whole life though. Yeah. So I forget, small price,
2: yeah, I'm so
0: small
4: stressed. price to pay. Yeah, yeah. I forget. So we usually tell our patients that, you know, for the next four weeks, um, it's very important that you take the, 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 the tablets every day. Set a reminder if you need to. Although in my experience, most of the time when people come in and they are anxious or they're worried enough about the exposure that they've had, yeah. uh, they will very usually hard. remember yeah, to take yeah, yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. And, yeah. And
2: if let's say I don't have, like I, I'm pending for nothing. It's just no problem. I can just take the pill for 28 days. It doesn't yes. affect me. Yes. Okay. what right. if you're a
5: bit late like you come in 100 hours after instead mm. of 72 hours
3: 73
4: the, hours so the, the 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 experience and the data or the research that we have shows that the most the the greatest effect like the greatest benefit um. is if we started within 72 hours oh. right because if you think about it the, the sooner you started the less the virus would have had a chance to create more copies right. of itself and to spread to the rest of the body mm. um of course, if someone comes in 80 hours, right, 84 hours, because they just did not have the chance to see a doctor mm. before that, uh, the discussion that we have will really be on a case-by-case basis. Mm, right. uh, in certain situations, if we feel that, okay, there's still a small chance that, or if the exposure was like really high risk, we might still uh, do For it. Sure. But this is a, really a discussion that's best had uh, with somebody who's an expert in, in uh giving PEP. Mm-hmm. And so, we you know, we still counsel people, if you had a high-risk exposure, do seek medical attention right. as soon as possible.
0: Sorry, we keep talking about high-risk exposure. Mm. Like, what counts as high-risk exposure? Though?
4: So, generally speaking, you know, we would <laughs> consider that to be unprotected sex. So, sex without the use of a condom. Uh, especially uh, if there was kind of like ejaculation or if there was a lot of body fluid that was exchanged. But
5: if no cum, okay. <laughs> um, as in like... Not. Like, just... You- you know. Hey, what, we're all professionals here.
2: Use the medical term for come. Like it what just is it?
5: like semen. Like uh, the guy <laughs> never come but then they still
4: like. There's, I think thing. as long as there was it, penetration, uh-huh. right, there is still a possibility uh-huh. that the virus could have spread. La. So generally speaking, you know, we say any high risk exposure is anything where there wasn't the use of a condom mm. or if <laughs> there yeah any suspicion that the condom wasn't used correctly or if the condom was broken mm. in some way or slipped off or was taken off at some point in time. Uh, or if, uh, you, you know, it was a new partner, especially a partner where you're not very sure of what the... Uh, history. The history. The, yeah, yeah, the HIV status is. Okay. Uh, you know, we would so consider could, those to be high-risk <laughs> exposures.
2: Let's <laughs> see if we can try to say something dirty.
1: Mm-hmm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: no. yeah. Yeah, so yeah. the other sort of high-risk exposures would be... Um, You know if we're talking about sexual exposures apart from what we talked about just now where it was consensual but maybe not with uh without the use of a condom would be non-consensual sex so victims of sexual assault right right? especially you know in those situations usually the ability or to negotiate for condom use is not there yeah so i think we would definitely um consider use of PEP in those situations right. and then the next one would be in non-sexual context lah, right? either let's say a healthcare professional who gets accidentally um, pricked with a needle or, or, or cut with some other sort right. of blade or sharp object yep. or, or people who were kind of uh, using injection drugs uh, and were you know sharing needles and so on those would be high risk for transmission of HIV wow, well. wow. Wait, wow so that's super like, high for, risk.
0: like for example yeah. if the doctor draw my blood then he dropped the needle then he oops and then it pricks him then mm. he might have
4: if the person that had he had was drawing blood from had hiv yeah. La, yeah. then he
5: immediately take the pill
4: yes so oh. in those situations for healthcare professionals we will ask him right. to take the pill straight away
3: yeah so actually okay mm. yeah,
2: have
4: you but,
3: gonna
2: like prick before
4: um, Many, many years ago When I was a junior doctor Yes So I also took the medication
2: And did you think It was high risk? Was the patient uh, uh, Someone with HIV? It was a
4: high risk exposure Because like, I was working in a, in a ward Where there were Some people living with HIV right. Right. So the patient That I pricked myself on Was, was a patient Oh god Oh yeah. shit That's so, it And I can tell you From experience That you will never forget To take the, med- the tap- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god <laughs> Yes, yes. No, But how, oh. how do you Keep your shit together Like the, like,
0: yeah. like Do you scream the way It you like <laughs> in front of your patient, you got like, <laughs> 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 I mean,
4: it's an anxiety and nerve-wracking experience for everyone involved. You know, accidental, you prick your finger. Then my finger was bleeding. Then I went to see, uh, you know, see the the the, the duty doctor. But the, did the guy
2: look at you like the person you are drawing blood from? Oh,
4: uh, no, the patient, didn't know. The patient right. didn't know. Yeah. You know, ever since then, since this is my specialty, I've seen so many of my colleagues and my juniors and, and you know, even my seniors who come in and you know they have sustained an accidental yeah, injury but you know with my with the experience that we now have we can tell them that we can try to reassure them and tell them that look you know it's good that you kind of detected it you, you came in yeah. to get treatment we'll start you on the treatment it's going to be highly effective mm. uh and just yeah. and they know that you know
2: they know that they're just like talking to, them, to themselves in the mirror in yeah. a way la, yeah. 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 If you yeah give, give
3: them a pep talk hey hey, hey
4: hey hey then they eat the pep yeah
0: <laughs> so what's the other one the prep
4: so Prep stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis, right? So one is post, and one is
2: pre. And so with
0: pre-exposure,
4: and if it's the same
2: thing again, I'm gonna flip that
4: prophylaxis. Uh, It actually is. No way. (laughs) But it's okay. It's slightly different. It's slightly different. different. With pre-exposure prophylaxis, what you have is that uh, if you have someone who uh, is at risk of being infected with HIV, right? So someone who has uh, ongoing sort of risky behavior, let's just say. Uh, you know for example if they have uh, a partner who they are not sure of the HIV status or if they are in a setting where they are not confident that they can use condoms a hundred percent of the time uh, then uh, using pre-exposure prophylaxis actually uh, uh, is a very effective way uh, to reduce greatly reduce the risk of HIV infection now pre-exposure prophylaxis is also HIV medications right but the difference here is that when it's PEP, as well as for people who have HIV and we're giving them medications for treatment, we usually give them a combination of three drugs. Right. Cocktail. Three different active ingredients, exactly. Okay. Right? But with pre-exposure prophylaxis, we only need to give them two drugs, two active ingredients. Difference, but no difference to the person. And la. it's usually combined into one tablet. Oh. So they just essentially end up taking one, one tablet. La
0: but the pre-one is take one time i just no, one- so the pre-one oh. is
4: you take it um there are a few ways of taking it one is what we call daily prep which means that you just take one tablet every day
0: it's birth control
4: in a way hmm. yes the other way of taking it is what we call on demand that means you only take it when you are sexually active okay so, uh, you you know so if you uh if the person thinks that oh i'm gonna you know be sec- you know have sex tonight they take he said uh, it. tablets before it and then they take a couple of tablets uh, the day after and uh you know 48 hours after that uh and if the rest of the month let's say they're not having sex at all then they don't have to take any tablets oh yeah it's very important for us to also understand that PrEP and PEP are not uh they should not be viewed as the only way of preventing HIV Right, it's still very important for us to know that both PEP and PrEP are part of an overall strategy, mm. HIV prevention strategy which includes ABCD. Right. Right? A meaning abstinence from casual sex, B meaning being faithful, wow, partner, okay. oh. C meaning the correct and consistent use of condoms, And and D Mm. meaning detect early. That means getting tested early and then treatment after that. It's really A, B, C, D. It's it's A, B, C, D. I thought you were
3: just saying like A, B, C, D. (laughs) No, 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 but A and
4: B is about the same.
3: (laughs) (laughs) If if A, C, D just doesn't (laughs) hit the same. So I'm curious, Like so here's a scenario, right? Like In the previous episode, we spoke about um, HIV meds suppressing to the point where it's almost undetectable, right? And so like say for example, a husband and wife together, one of the partners is HIV positive but they're taking meds to suppress it if they were to engage in a sexual... If they would have sex, um, does the other partner, the, the non-person living with HIV partner, need to take PrEP? Mm.
4: So, um, it depends, okay. I would say. Uh, in the scenario that you point out, it's actually in a lot of my, what my patients encounter, right? they are a married couple. One person is, HIV, is living with HIV or HIV positive. One is HIV negative, right? Mm. But they want to start a family. Mm. Obviously, in that situation, you can't use... Barrier protection, you can't use condoms, right? Yeah. So what I would then tell the HIV positive partner is that we will start you on medications as soon as possible, get your treat get your viral load undetectable. Mm. And then remember what we talked about in the last interview, just U equals to U. Yeah, undetectable equals. equals to untransmittable. Yes. Right. So in that situation, the, the <laughs> so person living with HIV who is undetectable, even if they are trying to start a family, even if they're trying to conceive, the risk of transmitting the virus onto Uh, the HIV negative partner is essentially zero. Yeah. Right. Right. In some situations, people may think, okay, I want an additional level of protection. Understandably, right. right. Uh, In which case then we will recommend the use of PrEP, is one option oh. for the HIV negative partner. Okay. Uh, if it's, imp- I mean, we also have to consider that PrEP only protects against HIV. Mm. It doesn't protect against other sexually transmitted infections like gonorrhea, like syphilis, like chlamydia. So if we want to protect against those, then uh, using a condom right. uh, consistently and correctly would be the best. But
2: are, are those, sure. those <laughs> examples that you cited, are they also lifelong diseases? Uh, no.
4: So all of the other sexually transmitted infections that are. Out there are generally things that are easily treated and cured. Asking girlfriend. Oh
2: uh, sure. yes, 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 But when you say easily, <laughs> eh, you go lah. I think you go. <laughs> I
5: Have to ask doctor question. Okay. Oh, okay. So let's say is the lady who ha- it has HIV, but then now it's undetectable, mm-hmm. and then they <laughs> had sex. Then she become pregnant. Then mm-hmm. she give birth. Right. Then does the baby have like undetected HIV? So,
4: for women. Who uh, become pregnant while uh, being HIV positive, we also tell them that the best way to prevent transmission onto the child is to become undetectable as soon as possible. Mm. As soon as possible. Preferably to become undetectable before getting pregnant, Mm. right? But even for women who are, let's say they become pregnant and then they discover that they're HIV positive, right? (gasps) Then we will ask them to start treatment as soon as possible, Uh, with our current medications that we have uh, they can go from a detectable to an undetectable viral load within as short a time as 4 to 6 weeks so very very quick and as long as they remain virally undetectable their viral load is undetectable during the rest of their pregnancy and during the process of childbirth then the risk of transmission onto the child is greatly reduced right. and also
2: this is you can take this medication during your pregnancy it doesn't yes, affect you can. Your,
5: uh, so, yes, so there's no way that the HIV can be passed on to the child if they are undetectable uh,
4: the risk is reduced greatly
5: Oh, so yeah. the child come out they still have to check the child yes
4: so all babies who are born to uh, mothers living with HIV mm. uh, will usually uh, be closely monitored and followed uh. up definitely during the first few years of their life. lah. Right. The HIV checks, mm. uh, they may be given HIV treatment medications for a short period of time Just until we like. are very sure that right. they are HIV negative but mm. still we'll continue to follow them up for a period of time. Uh. Yeah.
0: Okay so on that note there's actually someone that's asking So this is HH asks, if the viral load is so low that it's undetectable, how would tests determine whether this patient is even still positive? Mm. Uh, So the question to this
4: is something that we were already discussing. Most of the tests that we do don't look for the virus itself. It looks for
3: antibodies. Antibodies. And the antibodies
4: will stay positive for life. So, So when we talk about, you know, in everyday language, oh, I'm getting an HIV test, I'm getting an HIV test almost all of the time we are referring to an antibody
3: test. Right. So regardless
4: of some of whether someone is um, has a detectable or undetectable viral load, the antibody test will be positive.
3: Right. People <laughs> are damn smart. Uh. Yeah.
0: Sorry, never. Alison hasn't told us whether she's positive or <laughs> negative. She, oh, She, oh, rather, she would rather
3: not say. <laughs> okay. I'm Let's negative. <laughs> I'm
0: negative. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway.
3: Denise and I also too by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that never like, maybe like, maybe I'll ask hey, after John never offered.
0: But John didn't offer. Either. John
3: didn't yeah, even go. want to test. Yo, I do want
2: to say I, I accidentally went for the test huh? because I went for a full body checkup. <laughs> no, so so the nurse came to me and I mean they drew blood for the normal full body checkup and then she said um like and then afterwards she came to me with an iPad and said do you want us to also do a HIV check? But if it's positive, we do need to uh inform the authorities. Then actually I'm not scared, ma. Like I want China know, <laughs> ma. <laughs> <laughs> so then, but then when, when she like asked me that way, I suddenly a uh, bit scared. Yeah. Then I, I mean, I say yes anyway. It's like, like now that I know so much from you, right. Then I just like take, I just took, took the test la, and it's negative. La.
5: But the doctor who did the test with me, right. I I asked him if I'm positive, right. Will you have to report it to the authorities or whatever. Then he said, no, mm-hmm. you'll just be assigned a, a number, right.
4: Yeah. So that's because you did a test at an anonymous test site, oh. right? So there are 10 anonymous test sites in Singapore. One of them is Action for AIDS, the other nine are sort of at GPs, which mm. are sort of uh, all across the island. If you want to find out where these anonymous test sites are, you can go to the HPB website.
0: Okay, we will link down below <laughs> in the we'll, description. We'll put it underneath.
4: So there's, there's a list of those clinics oh. and at those anonymous test sites, Um, they like you know as you experience they don't take any uh, information from you ultimately if people do test positive uh, they will we will usually strongly encourage them to seek treatment Mm. Mm. and of course once you seek treatment and you uh, go and see a doctor then you will have to be sort of registered and then Um, notified at that point but uh, the reason why anonymous testing is is great is because i think it lowers that barrier for people to do their initial tests mm. right oh. and uh that's why it's it's, it's so useful
0: yeah nice. but how um so for like people like us that did the self-test right how mm. reliable is the self-test because it's like really it's just sort then of, like mm. to me i'm not sure
3: yeah i can trust them so uh
4: when we talk about how reliable a test is we're actually looking at two things uh, how specific it is so how likely we are how, how confident we are that it is telling us the correct diagnosis and how sensitive it is to reach how likely it is that we are able to pick it up given that we are positive so for both of these statistics for this for the test that we are using right it is very very highly accurate so we're talking more than 93 94 percent so the test is very reliable uh the technology that we have nowadays to detect you know even antibodies and so on in body pool is is very reliable
0: okay i have an important question from just nick uh, he actually asked us on Instagram so why is there a stigma when I ask a partner to get tested for family planning so I think like a lot of us like say if you're like you're going on the first date for example and then it turns out well and then, <laughs> but then you want to have sex but well, you're not sure whether this person like is positive or negative ma. Yeah. Then how, do you, how can you politely ask this person without trying to like insinuate that like they are like too risque
1: <laughs>
0: um,
3: <laughs> how would I you do
0: it
2: I mean? yeah, like, I that is
3: such an awkward question it. Like, so do you have They say no, like, you? why would
5: you suspect yeah. that I have?
3: Wait, wait, so it. you have us a partner in, in a scenario?
5: I'm just curious, ma. Yeah. i like, hey, did you get tested before?
3: No. Then but do you insist? Then
5: can you go get tested? Have you
3: gotten
2: tested?
5: I don't think because I was <laughs> non sexually active. But
2: I was always protected.
5: No, just go take this, this is the weirdest. <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> and, I just was scared. No, okay. so, <laughs> people here if, are wrong. If we
2: won't <laughs> play that right, I feel, like uh, Wow, this is a stereotype. Huh? I feel like it's easier to get a guy to go and test than ask the girl to go and test. Because like, the insinuation that you sleep around is it might be too much. Whereas mm. for guys, they could be probably, I don't know, right? Society could celebrate it.
3: He could have only had one partner and still want to do
2: it. Just to yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, there are guys that I know that have only one sexual partner but they pretend they had three. Just so, you know
4: what I mean? Mm. Just so. Yeah. yeah. So I think from my professional <laughs> standpoint, I would say that the the fact that you all felt that it was an awkward conversation is a reflection of tr- of real life right yeah. i think conversations about sexual behavior and sexual experience and so on uh, will vary wildly between couples between different individuals but um of course the more information you have about your partner the better the or the more informed the choices you can make uh and definitely Uh, talking to each other honestly and openly about your sexual experiences and your level of comfort around knowing each other's status is a healthy part of the relationship but it's not something that as a doctor I can uh, give the best advice on that will apply to everybody in every situation
2: what what do you tell your children
4: so what I tell my child is that the best thing is that you will never truly know what the experience of someone else Mm. the only person that you can protect is yourself the only person that you that you will you can trust is yourself. So that's why getting uh, testing for HIV is so important because you know your own status, mm-hmm. and then knowing things like ABCD, knowing things like the existence of PrEP and PEP, will allow you to make the best decisions for yourself. Mm. Uh, because I always tell my own patients and my own like in clinic, right? Will you not use a condom just because someone else said that they are? you know, that they don't have any STIs? Will you not use PrEP just because someone tells you that, hey, you I know, I, I, I don't have, there's no reason for you to uh, worry, right? Mm. So uh, that's why I think it's important to realise that the measures that we talked about just now are measures that you can take to protect yourself, that doing an HIV test is for you to know your own HIV status. Mm. Obviously, if you are in a relationship where you can talk to someone and, you know, there's that level of trust and so on, then that allows you to make Further decisions, but ultimately you can really only be sure of your own status and take measures to protect yourself. Yeah.
2: So what would y'all do if, let's say, you and your partner when you get tested together and then you found out one of yours positive? Doctor, I
5: will <laughs> take the PREP pill and he will take the PEP pill. P. Where you take I, the PR? Because uh, if he cannot, then I'm the oh. negative. yeah,
3: I think it depends like when right and then oh i guess it's what the drama unfolds first because it's like hey how did you get this you didn't have this before etc
0: no but how you know they didn't have it before yeah
3: that's true because maybe they never get tested right
0: until this date
3: so i think if you get past that and realize that okay she's still trustworthy in that sense (laughs) then go through the plans we we start going uh for the for the hiv medication it will get to a point where it's suppressed um, this is not the dramatic story John was looking for, yeah. so no, I will in, take it a step in, back. In
2: the past, a very real and feasible idea. I mean, especially if you all have yet to begin a sexual relationship, like a very feasible plan is to say we have to break up. Really. Yeah, but we come so far that actually oh shit when you go and buy medicine, <laughs>
5: <laughs> you know ah
2: shit, every morning you take that thing. So it's about if, yeah.
5: So if Pat is positive, will yeah, you, will your first thought be like oh she slept with someone else, or will you be like?
2: Well, how else can she get it, uh?
5: She can get like I cut, Cut. Wow.
2: So would I believe if she told me she got it from a cut? Uh?
0: <laughs> no, she said no, she like ah <laughs> don't don't know know. me. Don't <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no,
3: no, no, <laughs> <possible>. <laughs> That's not possible.
4: So maybe my suggestion,
3: <laughs> <is> yes, <laughs> the very timely. <laughs> of course,
4: the 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 conversation between the couple would be you know something that's deeply personal, right? Mm. That I I I will not comment on. But uh, <laughs> the first thing I think as you pointed out, most important is for the person who is infected or who is you know now discovered that they are living with HIV to go get treatment. Mm. See a doctor, start treatment, uh, get the viral undetectable as soon as possible. It's important for the other partner to also get tested as soon as possible. Yeah. right. Because um, you need to know sort of what your own HIV status is. Uh, if you are also HIV positive, then the same pathway is there, right? To yeah. start treatment, get, get in good health. If uh, their HIV status, you know, within the relationship is different, right? What we call zero discordant. One is positive, one is negative. Then we will need to take the prevention measures that we've been talking about. Mm. PrEP is an option. Of course, um, not being not sexually active for a period of time until at least the person with HIV is undetectable is another option. Using condoms all of the time is a a third option. Mm. And then uh, or some combination of all of the three. Right. Yeah. So that would be, you know, what we would need to do. Right. Um, for, from a sort of health perspective. Mm. Yeah, of course, there, there'll be some-
2: But the trust perspective. <laughs> yeah. He cannot advise yeah, We need people. another <laughs> expert <laughs> <laughs> like on that therapy yes. expert. <laughs> Love guru, <laughs> which is John Paul who's in the jungle now. That's true. Okay. Shout out to John Paul. Thank you for protecting our country.
0: Hey, by the way, John Paul doesn't know his HIV status. or so He need to go yeah. and get that stuff. He has somehow escaped. No, the
2: SAF checks you. Oh.
0: Mm. I think like something that I was kind of thinking about because at the start of the video I mentioned that a lot of people don't see a need to go and get tested and that was me yeah, because yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not sexually active man, and I mm. don't I mean my parents have never said anything to me so I don't I assume that I'm not a carrier either then I just always wondered like why should I even go and take this test but then just now when uh, we were taking the test then actually I was a bit scared I was like wow, this could have, I might have got it just from somewhere and you just never know yeah. So it's important to get that. I feel like it should
2: just be part of like your annual health checkup.
0: Which yeah. people don't even do. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. like we talked about the importance of early diagnosis, right? What are some repercussions of late-stage diagnosis?
4: So I think the later uh we are diagnosed after being infected, the more time would have passed, the more the virus would have had an opportunity to attack your immune system, and the more likely you are to fall sick. La. The other repercussion of that is also that the longer a period of time has gone by that you did not know that you were HIV positive, uh, the higher the chances are that you may have unknowingly or unwittingly transmitted it to someone else, Mm. right? Because it's only if you know that you can take precautions so that you don't infect, you know, your sexual partners, people you care about, people you love and so on. Um, so I think those are the two main repercussions, uh, uh, in the local context in Singapore, we see that, you know, from data from last year, for example, more than half of people who were newly diagnosed with HIV were diagnosed at a late stage of infection. Mm. And it does mean that... Late is how long later? Uh, late meaning that their immune system has... Oh, uh, I see. Has, has... Compromised really. Been compromised to a certain degree. Lah. Yeah. And how long yeah.
2: does that take? Like, sorry,
4: just one. It's quite variable. Generally, we think that it takes about 7 to 10 years. Uh, oh. Ah! Yeah, before someone... Oh, heck- starts to have like a really truly weakened immune system in some people it can be faster and some people can be slower but on average you know the range that we usually talk about is about seven to ten years
2: right 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 yeah
4: Uh, yeah so so when you present at a later stage and your immune system is weakened then the risk of getting certain kinds of infections even certain types of cancers is a little bit higher uh most of these thankfully we have the treatment you know to to sort of help people through that but it does sort of increase the risk of just falling sick yeah yeah
3: Sorry, this, this is quite mind blowing to me because like if most people only kind of detect it when they are late stage and it only comes about after seven years, they could have had it, had multiple partners in that time frame, passed it on. And then now after seven years, you have to trace back and tell everybody that. Like, I mean, that's, ah, yeah. So I think that kind of highlights the importance of early testing and yeah, yeah. Early testing. look at this. Part.
2: <laughs> or but you I think the
4: challenge always is that, you know, you tell people that they have to test early, but testing early is a little bit meaningless. And I kind of think right. that the more important thing is to just tell people, do you know what is your risk of having HIV, right? Oh. Are you sexually active, especially if you know, do you have multiple partners? Um, is you know, the use of condoms perhaps not like 100% of the time and maybe you don't use other kinds of protection, uh, then knowing the risk is one thing and then giving them information about how and where to get tested and the importance of getting tested is the other thing. And putting those two together would give you a situ- hopefully give you a situation where people are aware of their risk, they know they should get tested, they get tested regularly. And when you test regularly, hopefully we will uh, detect the, the diagnosis or the infection earlier. Right. Mm. Yeah,
0: I think the self-test kit will genuinely help so much. Mm. Like I don't need to go like all the way there. Yeah
3: yeah and we've gotten to a point where people are so used to testing themselves for COVID also Mm. like Mm. testing before you go out testing before you go to work and so I think it it really helped Mm. in terms of that culture of like just testing so that I don't spread it to anybody else yeah Mm. Yeah.
0: definitely so this one might be a bit contentious Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure when I'll read the name but anyway the comment says homosexual transmission is the main mode of HIV transmission Mm. so I think
4: that's a uh, misconception right HIV uh, really does not discriminate, right? It does not, uh, it does not transmit more easily uh, through, you know, through sex between people of the same sex or the same gender as opposed to people of opposite sex and opposite genders or different sexes and different genders. Um, uh, in, in some countries around the world, we do see that more people of a certain uh, sexual orientation are affected by HIV more than uh, others. Uh, but this does not mean that HIV preferentially chooses why is that so you think Um, I think there are many many different reasons for this in some situations it could be because uh, people of a certain community are less able to access prevention or maybe there's less information and education out there to affect uh, to to uh, to target this particular community uh, I think there are, there are numerous other sort of reasons behind it but the main point here for everybody to understand is that you know, it does not discriminate between people of different different sexes different genders different uh, sexual orientations and gender mm-hmm. expressions mm-hmm. Yeah. and that uh, knowing that would be a first step in of course uh, telling everyone that clearing up a certain misconception around risk right? because we do not want people to think hey you know I don't belong to this particular community hence Mm. I don't have any risk of HIV Uh, but the second thing is that it will go a long way towards uh, destigmatizing and reducing a lot of the stigma that surrounds um, both you know people from the LGBT community perhaps but also stigma around HIV itself
1: Mm. yeah
0: so just to round off, right? what should I do after I get tested? Say for example, if I'm negative, I will assume I just go on with my life and maybe remember <laughs> the ABCDs, right? But if I test positive, then what do I do? Just not ask my boss whether I can go home. Then he say, if you think going home helps you, you can go home. Then <laughs> I, yeah. So what should I do if I do happen to test? Positive?
2: Not me, uh, I just, that was not me. Um, yeah. Another
0: boss. Yeah.
4: <laughs> okay, so um, I think the test positive one is a little bit easier to answer. Wow. right? Once you have tested positive, I think uh, first and foremost, it is to make sure or to confirm that the test is truly uh, positive. Uh, We're talking in the context of, let's say, somebody who's done a self-test at home and is Mm. tested positive. Uh, You know, we will always say the instructions on the self-test kit, if you've read it, (laughs) would be that, you know, return to the place that you bought this test from. So either uh, the DSE clinic or AFA, and then they will do a repeat test for you, right? uh, all HIV testing in Singapore is a two-step process. So both the first step and the second step need to be positive before we say that someone is truly HIV right. infected. Uh, I think the next most important step is to um, be linked up to care. That means to go and see a doctor, uh, uh, somebody who's uh, an expert in HIV, uh, and then that discussion will be, will kick start that discussion on, you know, uh, treatment and starting treatment as soon as possible to have an undetectable viral load. So it's good for your own health and also to prevent transmission onto other people you care mm. about. So that's I think what happens if you're HIV positive. And also to know that there's a uh, well, uh, th- th- there's a really strong network of support, uh, not only for a person's um, physical health and medical health, but also, you know, to support them through what can sometimes be a challenging journey. Mm. Uh, for people who test negative on an HIV test, uh there's a few things to think about first and foremost uh, is whether or not you uh you are within the window period of testing
3: oh <laughs> because if let's
4: say your last high risk exposure you know and we've sort of gone through high risk exposures are <laughs> was within the last one to two weeks then we probably know that a repeat test will be required so that we are very confident mm. that somebody is negative
3: hmm. i guess it- i'm very confident i'm negative good (laughs) sure sure. so
4: if let's say (laughs) Uh, Uh, same so if let's say the window period is you're you're past that window period right there was no sort of high risk exposure no sexual activity and so on within that that window period that you did the test then I would always tell people that the next step and the next strategy is to stay Mm -hmm. negative Right. Mm. to be very aware that the a negative test now is not like your driver's certificate right you get once and then you got your driver's cert for life right yeah. um, it just tells you that up to that point mm. yeah. you have not been infected right so the the, the the next step to stay negative you know use the sort of HIV prevention methods that we were talking about whether it's prep or, or, or ABCD uh, and practicing those things uh, but also you know if there is going to be ongoing activity uh, risk activity. So if you are sort of sexually active, you know, to get tested regularly mm-hmm. and repeat the testing uh, as appropriate. For most people where there's sort of ongoing risk behaviour, we recommend getting tested every three to six months. Mm-hmm. Okay. Six months.
2: So can I Can I walk to one of the clinics, right, and buy 10 boxes, just keep at home that kind?
4: So at the current moment that we are that we are speaking, uh, the HIV self-test kit is only available in two places. So right. the DSE clinic, Right, action the, for AIDS. So the one with Tan right. and Action for AIDS. Right. And at the current moment, because we have just introduced the the this this project.
3: Oh, it's okay. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a new, it's oh, a new yeah, thing. Well, few. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah. So we are saying that, you know, people uh, can buy like three boxes or three kits at a time. La. Right. But of course, if you've used the three kits and you want to go back and buy more, you're welcome to. Do right.
2: So. It's just a logistical issue. Just want to make sure that's enough for everybody. La. So Correct. at some point in due time, perhaps you can buy like an ART kit. La.
4: Uh, we hope so. Lah. We hope right.
2: this is what will happen. Okay, okay. If you are getting serious with your partner, right, here's a few things that you need to do. The first one, right? Safe get party. her ring size. <laughs> ask early. Don't wait until serious, then ask. Because then she think oh my God, he's going to propose. Eh? Ask early. Yeah. Okay. When it's so unreasonable but that I, you will do it. At, at the point that she <laughs> knows you're not going to propose anytime soon, that kind. That's the time. Uh, ask for it first. Then, aga aga find out whether her this finger is your this finger, usually it's like that. Uh. Then do a fertility health check. Nice. Because most of fertility issues are treatable and just takes time to treat. Mm. And then do HIV test.
3: It can be a a couple activity. Yeah. What a big idea. Oh my God. That's how we rebrand it. We make it a couple activity. Next time, right? TSL or honeycomers or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, things to do on the weekend. Oh my god, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean
2: it affirms commitment to each other. Exactly. Yeah, it yeah. says
3: that you guys want to be together forever.
0: So aside from anonymous test sites, right, where else can I go and get tested?
4: So you can get tested actually at almost any uh, healthcare facility. So we're talking about clinics, polyclinics, hospitals and so on. Uh, of course, outside of the 10 anonymous test sites, all other HIV tests done would be um, just- you need to register, yeah. right? Uh, of course, uh, what we talked about just now at the DSC Clinic AFA, we're also selling the home test kits, the self-test kits that you can buy uh, also without necessarily uh, needing to give any personal identifiers. Uh, but apart from that, you know, if you have a GP, if you've got a policy right. that you go to and you request for HIV tests, they should also be able to do it for you. Actually, uh-huh. What
2: happens if you're indexed? So I go to a GP and then mm-hmm. I have...
4: Um. So... The all, all HIV tests that are done in Singapore that are positive and are not done under anonymous test site would be notified to the national registry. Then? Uh, and they use this registry basically to keep track of how many sort of um, new diagnoses yep. there are every year. Uh, they will also sort of contact the person uh, to sort of ask them a little bit about uh, whether there's any sort of contact contacts, tracing yeah, mm. that, that, that may need to be tested as well. And that's generally about it.
2: So, fair enough, la, right? Mm. You're going to need treatment anyway, but right?
5: But it won't be like, let's say I apply for a job, it won't be somehow no. in my SIMP pass. No. Said, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who's so, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. so, so, that's an excellent question. Uh, and health and health the answer health is no. Uh, yes.
4: The uh, is no. Okay. And in fact, you will not be able to look at your HIV results on your Health Hub either because right. it is a, sensitive, a more sensitive uh, test result. La.
2: Right. Mm. Good. Okay, last. Yeah. So, the
4: implications of getting indexed is like COVID.
2: La. all right. Mm.
3: Yeah.
4: So the red ribbon has been a symbol of HIV and the fight against HIV uh, for almost three decades now since uh, the fight against HIV really started. Mm. And it represents uh, unity and solidarity with people living with HIV as well as the many people whose lives have been lost to HIV. And, you know, putting it on every year during World AIDS Day is a symbol of our ongoing commitment to fight HIV. So, okay. I'll pass one out to each of you. Whoa! Oh, okay. yay!
2: Thank you, thank you so much. For the outro. Hey, oh,
3: thank you. Thank you, sir. Oh, wow.
2: 1st when, when is, is of December. 1st of December. Oh my god, we're in time. Yes. We're in time to support, thank you. Yay,
5: yeah, thank you. Thank you.
0: Okay, we've come to the end of the episode. Once again, thank you to the National Centre for Infectious Diseases for being our partners for today's episode. Please go and get yourself tested. That's the only way to know what your HIV status is and knowing your status whether positive or negative is a great relief. Early treatment can help people living with HIV stay healthy and protect their loved ones. Also, don't forget to check out our previous episode for more information on HIV. Thank you, Dr. Wong for joining us again today. Yes, and there are also links down in the description box for more information as well as the testing sites. Mm. Yeah, so check those out. Thank you for watching. We'll see you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. This Do morning, Alison asked me like if I kiss someone or something. After that, I stand out and asked Dan. Then Dan, Dan also not very sure. Then we all had to Google. Huh? <laughs> like if, you, if you kiss someone and both of y'all got the ulcer, then the ulcer got like a cut, then...
2: Okay. Gotcha, But Small in a very chance. specific yeah. scenario yeah. which yeah. is like, un- less, like... We asked less. for a lot of specific scenarios. Also like... If your arm and my arm is here, right, then the mosquito bite minister will come. up.
1: <laughs> Cannot. <laughs> Cannot, by the way. <laughs>